Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bhandari from OrthoEvidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Well, good morning, Mo. Uh, good morning. As you can tell, I'm not in my usual digs. You can see some heavy drapes behind me, so here I am speaking to you this morning from the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas, where I arrived late last night for the Academy meeting have a uh, symposium to do with the uh, editors of the other major orthopedic journals about how to get your research done and published here in a little bit. But because I'm here, they would charge me like $4.50 if I lifted a coffee cup off this electronic pad over here on the side. <laughs> so, so I got no coffee. So I'm drinking alone. That's what you're telling me. I'm it's drinking exactly alone. Exactly right. Okay. I got no ortho right. mug. I got no coffee. But I do have my JBJS tie to let, let you uh, continue to be baffled by how such an old codger can stick <laughs> with his old ways without you know, changing anything. Uh, you know, I, I would have to say, and I have to congratulate the American Academy leadership for choosing Las Vegas as the least <laughs> distracting venue to oh. discuss research. I, I think that is just excellent. I think there's not there's nothing going on outside. Like, why would you go outside, right? You, you, of course, you want to go to the meta-analysis lecture. I would, for sure. But yeah, let's well, hope, let's hope, let's hope our, our colleagues are in the same mindset. Yeah, the, the roads are all dug up on the way in, you know, because they're putting some big formula formula ah. one deal in downtown. Right. There is there's absolutely no distractions. This is no, not. place. Yeah, of course, of course. All business, all business. Yeah. So you at OE have been thinking a little bit about distractions and uh how to manage one's professional life. What what's on your mind uh recently? Yeah, so we've put out something that we put out uh, maybe a year ago, and I tell you, it's probably as relevant now, especially with the meeting upon us uh, at the American Academy, and the title was It Can Wait, uh, The Psychology of Procrastinators. Mark, like, listen, I probably have procrastinated, I don't know how many hundreds, if not thousands of times in my career, and I wonder, am I a chronic procrastinator? So these are the questions I had, but more importantly, I've been let down by colleagues who have said they would get something done, oh. and then I've been left holding the bag, and that's also very, very frustrating. I can't imagine that those feelings are not around us at this meeting because, you know, things happen. So we spent a little bit of time talking about it, and if you'd like, I can share with you a few little excerpts, and I'd love to get your take on this issue that I think probably every human at some point ponders, if not struggles with. What do you I'm say? All, I'm all ears. Game? However, game? I, will okay. point out, uh, well, I will point out that you're a very bad example uh, uh, for <laughs> somebody because I've never seen anybody turn around manuscripts like like you, Mo. But, but those ahead. were... Okay. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, I mean, there's problems with that, Well, I, I will happily share with you, but so let me start off with a couple of quote, and I'll say facts and you can call it soft or hard, but there's lots of information on this. So procrastination is at least by some groups, 
seen as an intention to action gap. So there's a disparity between our intended work habits and our actual work habits. And in fact, if you look back to its derivation, its Latin derivation, procrastinare, it means to put off until tomorrow. So, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, it makes sense there. But it's also derived from the Greek word akrasia, which is doing something against our better judgment. And I know there are lots of times where I've thought to myself, mm, I'm putting this off and this is going to cause me some difficulty, but you do it because the immediacy of not doing it is just difficult. But let me keep going. Evidence suggests that putting off important tasks, and here's the, the crux of it, causes stress, uh, and the additional stress contributes to a negative psychological uh, impacts on the body, which increase our, you know, our vulnerability to illnesses. Uh, previous uh, research has linked uh, problems such as headaches, digestive issues, colds, flus, insomnia. And this is from the Association of the Psychological Sciences. This is not, and this is recent, this is not decades and decades ago, this is about maybe five years ago. But here's the other challenge, right? Which is when you, quote, you, whoever this is, and some of you, all of us at some point have tried or done this, when you procrastinate, people stop depending on you and hold back offering you opportunities because they could be worried that you will simply procrastinate, leaving them to clean up the mess. And that gets down to this real, I think, challenge of the downside. Now, there are some upsides, but before we get to that, people say, well, okay, you know, just stop. Just, you know, I think we all probably know, quote, everyone in this, everyone listening says, I know that person. I know who you're talking, know, I know the phenotype of that person. I know that person. I could name that person. We all have that person. And, and sometimes if you can't name that person, friend, look in the mirror. It's probably you because so, someone around us is, is doing this. Now, Joseph Ferrari is a professor of psychology and he writes, what I found is while everyone may procrastinate, not everyone is a procrastinator. I think it was an important mm -hmm. distinction. It really has nothing to do with time management, which is funny because that's what I thought it was, all about time management. Mm -hmm. As I tell people to tell the chronic procrastinator to just do it would be like telling a clinically dis distressed person to just cheer up. So it's far more deeper than that. And so they give, you know, all kinds of approaches and techniques that probably are far beyond the skill set of most of us who are handling individuals who are, whether it's a student, a peer, or someone, you know, or a supervisor who's, diff, you know, who's not getting back our papers, for example, you know, whatever it may be uh, to manage it. But we came up with, based on the evidence that we could find, an acronym called PROACTIVE. But before I share with you some of the tips, I'm curious generally, Mark, on your experience. I mean, you must have had lots of experience with, with procrastinators. And are there tips, advice, or things you've learned that have separated those that do versus those that do not? Well, we yes, we we actually instituted mechanisms to, to identify people with the uh, issue uh, in our databases. Right. Uh, and there, you know, there, there are metrics that in terms of response time for reviewers that say they're going to review it and members of the editorial board, et cetera, et cetera. So we have electronic flags uh, that we've built into the system to alert everybody that this individual, although extremely knowledgeable, may have an issue with getting something back to us. You must have a cadre of excuses that you've received. I probably have a thousand various excuses from as I was literally, the best one for me was as I was about to press send, my computer, no joking, blew up. Yet they sent it to me on their email from their computer. I don't know how it happened. So I said, hmm, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Um, but anyways, I've had I've had lots. I've had people having a flat tire en route yeah. to email me. Yeah, yeah. can happen, right? So you take it. But this this one individual, 
And the most horrible luck, I mean, really the most horrible luck. I mean, if there was a human that had everything possibly happen to them, and I thought, is getting in this paper so distressful that it's affecting this person? So I just gave up and said, you know, let's not write the paper. And here's the funny thing is it came in the next day as soon as I took yeah. the stress off. Yeah. It's a very interesting dynamic, actually. It, it um, sure is. It sure is. And I would say uh, in, a, in a serious note, this, this really has as much to do with issues in our personal lives as it does in our professional lives. You know, unresolved conflict with a member of a family, for example, people put that off and then they have to endure family holidays together when they know they have got an issue they've got to address and they can't do it. And then the, the stress builds, et cetera, et cetera. Very important topic you've chosen, Mo. Yeah. And maybe I'll just briefly go over it. But for those interested, certainly take a look at the actual insight. It's got a lot more than what we've said. And, you know, I mean, obviously we always... We always think of procrastination, as you said, a little bit on the jovial side, you laugh about it because, you know, it's usually happened and you've gotten over it somehow. But actually, in the moment, it's a very serious issue, right? And it's actually very distressing, actually, for both parties, those who are expecting something, but probably even at a higher level, at a psychological level for the individuals who are who are themselves holding back uh, and not doing it. But we had the acronym PROACTIVE. I'll just kind of read through some okay. of the some, some of the advice here that came up for not from us particularly, but from the evidence that we pulled up. So the first thing it says, if you are someone who's tending to have this thing to push things off, it says plan ahead and set meaningful and practical guidelines. Don't set unrealistic guidelines. Repeat and value others as much as yourself and clean the task. Know that you are not, like, your inability is also affecting other people around you. This isn't just about you for the most part. Organize, embrace the task into small pieces. Sometimes the big task is harder than the small task. So break down to smaller pieces. Appreciate the actual value. Like, you know, if you don't want to do it initially, try to say, what is the value of this for me? Try to find some reason why it's important that you've even agreed to do it and then try to build that value into the task. Set accountability. If you have a social network of friends, let them hold you accountable. Like be comfortable being held accountable and don't take it as a negative. You know, build it into your thing. If I don't get back to you, make sure you send me a note and I'm, you know, I'm prepared to deal with that consequence. The big one is remove distractions. I mean, totally Las Vegas, right? I mean, probably the best place to write your manuscripts is there's no distraction in Las Vegas. Gosh. So probably don't go to Las Vegas if you have a major thesis to write. That's, that's maybe just a, that's just a general thought here. Initiate the first step, right? Like, you know, you don't want to get started. Just start something. Just get started. Get that first thing going. And I think that probably would help individuals. And the big chance is everyone says, I don't want to do it because it won't be perfect. It's okay. It doesn't have to be perfect. Better to be done than to be perfect, right? Get it done. And finally, okay, so you missed the last 40 uh, deadlines, but the 41 <laughs> is the one you're going to get in. So embrace your mistakes. It's okay. Forgive yourself. Prepare for future success. So that's how we set it up. And there's lots more detail on each of those. So I hope those of you are interested, uh, or, or if you know somebody, send this to a little gift, a little gift from you to your procrastinating colleagues. You know, I think they'd love this insight. So there yeah. you go. Very, very valuable. I, I, it brings to mind the, the very old uh, Bob Newhart show uh, episode. Mm. I don't, yeah. You may be too young, but- No, you know, no, I know Bob Newhart. Yeah, yeah. Clinical psychologist. And he's he's uh, in a session with a, with a, a woman who's got really serious uh, issues uh, with, with uh, wanting to hurt other people, et cetera, et cetera, and, and very stressed. And he, he listens for about five minutes and then he finally looks at her and says, Here, here's how we're gonna fix this. And there's a big pregnant pause and he says, he shouts at her, just stop it. <laughs> it's, yeah, obviously right. it's pretty ineffective. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the point, right? We just think, oh, you can just switch it on and off. It's an on and off switch. And maybe we do have that, who knows? But I suspect it's a little more complicated, just a little more. Yeah. 
That's that's great, Mo. Uh, absolutely fabulous uh, selection. So, I, uh, as you know, I tend to uh, just look at the most recent uh, edition of the journal, and uh, we have published an RCT uh, out of uh, Japan, Wakayama, Japan, yeah. uh, and it's a perioperative essential amino acid supplementation facilitates quadriceps muscle strength and volume recovery after total knee arthroplasty. A double-blinded RCT. Uh, it's a relatively small trial, uh, patients undergoing knee arthroplasty. 60 patients uh, were randomized and all the evaluators were blinded. Uh, they assessed uh, quadriceps volume via ultrasound. And uh, they had uh, 26 patients assigned uh, to the essential amino acid group at nine grams a day and 26 assigned to placebo that was a powder that looked exactly like it that was lactose. Uh, uh, and that was the final group, the 26 in each arm. Uh, and the administration of the placebo or the supplementation, supplementation was a week prior to surgery, two weeks after it. And then they measured the rectus femoris muscles and then followed them. And they took the baseline uh, quadriceps volume, again, assessed by blinded reviewers uh, as the 100% baseline. And at the, uh, the follow-up at two years after surgery, this two years, this is quite interesting, but it also speaks to the advantage of uh, knee arthroplasty, but um, the, the values in the essential amino acid group was 134% plus or minus 31% compared to 114% plus or minus 27%. So this is, uh, I think, a, a really well done small trial, you know, as we've talked many times uh, yeah. on Ortho Joe, we, we need much bigger trial, but this is uh, an example of some nutritional research that is really quite stunning, I think. Now, whether or not this is clinically significant, because the authors didn't measure clinical outcomes, and I doubt there would have been much of a signal there, uh, given this, uh, this, this, this size difference here, but it, it, it's really fascinating. And I think that nutrition research on, on our patients, we've published some, particularly in hip fractures, uh, and uh, how you can help outcomes by uh, paying attention to nutritional signals, laboratory values, uh, skin folds, et cetera. But boy, uh, the preoperative uh, uh, priming, I guess, of uh, patients uh, undergoing procedures seems like it, you know, this, this could be a, an important area for further investigation. I don't know if you have thoughts on this whole. Yeah, I, I tell you. Yeah. So we have a young surgeon scientist, general surgeon who decided very early and, you know, took some convincing on my part to understand, you know, what, what was the interest of his? And he says, you know, we do lots and lots of surgery across all of the surgical specialties and not just within colorectal for this individual. But his argument was that patients, like the preoperative optimization of patients isn't really where it should be in a lot of surgical fields. So as you said, right, and a big chunk of it has nothing to do with, you know, like, you know, yes, there's the preoperative, you know, uh, prophylaxis and antibiotics and, you know, and, yeah. and, the, and the worry about thrombotic events. So we do all the, you know, prophylaxis there. But what about basically optimizing patients with respect to health, right? Real health around, um, you know, in this case, whether it's weight loss for bariatric surgery or whether it's weight loss for total knee and total hip arthroplasty, like, you know, managing it with, you know, healthy diets and calories and nutrition. Totally, what boggles my mind is that uh, he's done a pretty extensive search of the literature. There's not a lot out there. No. So this type of research to me is actually fundamental for setting up the pathway. So it may be one 
of maybe 15 or 20 things, Mark, that you know, uh, researchers could be doing, and we could be collaborating not just in orthopedics, but across specialties. Any patient undergoing a major surgical procedure, you know, having a pathway to say the same way that we, you know, have built pathways, for example, as you know, there's been a big move towards the perioperative, post-operative perioperative care around reducing perioperative uh, cardiac mortality. Uh, with respect to accelerating surgery and having optimized, you know, uh, care from um, specialized teams postoperatively, the preoperative approach and the mandate around getting patients ready makes a lot of sense to me. So while this is a small trial, these are the kind of hypothesis generating trials you want to be engaging in. And these are the kind of signals that we have to start working towards, you know, looking to see if in fact we can uh, either confirm them or quickly refute them and move on to the next signal. But it looks very uh, promising. Um, yeah. From that perspective, and fast one final thing: it's it looks like it's a fairly frugal innovation, so it's not a massive cost generator. If anything, I would imagine that if you were to demonstrate a clinical benefit, this is going to be cost effective, you know, hugely cost effective because of the cost of you know adding the essential amino acids, for example, in a diet prior is going to far like the cost of that will be far minimal to the cost potentially of having a complication or a complication averted is a massive cost savings right so um and getting patients back you know out and moving so in every way this is highly relevant and you know i think you and i have spoken about this lots around you know where's the future of surgical care and i think we have to start looking at the windows before surgery and the windows after surgery right. if we want to truly optimize yeah but yeah great great selection yeah, and uh, it, as we also have discussed, uh, if a study like this, although although it's small, is incredibly valuable for planning a larger, more uh, pivotal trials uh, and figuring out clinically relevant outcomes based on what 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 is seen here in terms of the the volume uh, changes in the muscle and can consult with experts and figure out you know what exactly are the outcomes that we should be measuring in terms of function, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the pilot trial, you know, often gets a, a, a sometimes gets a bad, bad shake. They say, well, it's kind of pilot. It doesn't really lead to anything. Um, it's not going to help us. And it's only for planning something that may never happen. I get all that. That's, you know, you can see that. But the reality is the value of it yeah. uh, far outweighs, you know, far outweighs the challenges. And because it, it really does help you set the pathway forward. So great that, uh, you know, we're able to publish it. And, you know, had it been negative, it still would have been an important paper to discuss because you need to know whether there's an effect or not, or at least there's a plausible effect or not. Agree completely, as always, my friend. Uh, yeah. And uh, well, it's been great chatting with you. Now I've got to uh, head off to go to this symposium and hopefully I can find a Just, cup of coffee somewhere and get yes. my, so, get so my I know. So I, I imagine that there's no chance that you're going to have to walk through a casino, right? Because the hotels don't make you walk through the casino to get your coffee. So just avoid distractions. You know, I know the chance of becoming an immediate millionaire without slots. Mark, just just go for the coffee. Just, you know, that's your thing. If you can just blinders on to your coffee. That's that's what I'm hoping you'll do and go right to your meta-analysis section or your research well, section. Actually, I had intended to go to the slots, but I'm going to procrastinate and avoid it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Use it Use it to your advantage. The slots can wait. They can wait. <laughs> Have right. a great time. All right. See you, buddy. All right. Take care. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. 
No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.